Hello, we're the Mises. I'm Glenn. And I'm Cheryl. Ephesians 5.1 Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. This verse tells us that as children of God, our lives should be just like Jesus Christ to everyone we meet. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Ephesians 5.1 This verse speaks to us about our conduct and character as Christ followers. To be an imitator of God, we must have a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. We develop that relationship through prayer and studying His Word. Because God loved us enough to send His Son to die for our sins, we must be imitators of God by showing that love to others. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Children trust their parents for love and care. We can trust God for His love and care. Ephesians 5.1 Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus. He is addressing believers' standard of conduct. We should be imitators of God, just as children imitate their parents. And this should begin by walking in Christ-like love. It is great to hear and see some of our senior adults this morning. Hello, church family. Good to see you again. It's good to be back with you. Uh, Connor did a great job preaching last Sunday morning. My family and I were able to get away for a little while during these summer months. But it is so good to be back with you again this morning as we talk about knowing God. J.I. Packer was one of the most influential theologians in North America. You will see a picture of him on the screen there. He died, in fact, three weeks ago, five days shy of his 94th birthday. Packer was a professor of theology at Regent College in British Vancouver. and In fact, he was the editor of the ESV Bible. Packer's most influential work was a book that he wrote in 1973 entitled Knowing God. The book has sold more than one million copies to date. In fact, Christianity Today called Knowing God one of the 50 most influential books of all time. And in the book Knowing God... J.I. Packer explored the character of God as revealed in the Bible. And then, in the book, he lists our responses to the character of God. And I want you to listen to what Packer said. J.I. Packer said, quote, When you make your life's aim to know God, all other things tend to fall into place. When you make your life's aim to know God, all of the other things in your life tend to fall into place. He's right. So many times people try to, try to emphasize or prioritize every other thing in their life rather than prioritizing knowing God. But if you prioritize knowing Him, all of the other things tend to to fall into place. This morning, I want us to look at six steps 
to knowing God. Six steps to knowing God. So if, if knowing God should be our life's aim above all else, then we need to know the biblical steps of how to know God better. That's what we'll look at this morning. I want you to listen to what Paul said to the Philippians in chapter 3 about knowing God. Read with me. Verse 8. Yet indeed I count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. This morning I want us to look at six steps to knowing God. And as we go through these steps, I, I want you to see where are you in the process? Which one of these steps are you on? Or which step do you need to take? So do a personal evaluation as we go through the six steps to knowing God. Step number one. First of all, conviction. Conviction from John chapter 6, verse 44. The very first step in knowing God is to realize that you cannot come to God on your own. You cannot come to Him on your own volition. You don't come to God just any way you want. In order to come to God, the Holy Spirit must convict you or draw you to the Father. Listen to what Jesus said, John chapter 6, verse 44. Jesus said, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus said, The Holy Spirit must draw us to the Father. And the drawing of the Holy Spirit is what is called conviction. Conviction that, that, that something on the inside of you that, that maybe you feel or maybe you hear, it is, it, it is vo a voice saying, you need to draw near to God. It is something you feel on the inside that you need God. You need to come to Him. That is what is called conviction. Some of you this morning, you have, you have already felt that conviction. Some of you may have been feeling it for a while or, or hearing that voice on the inside saying, you need to get your life right. You, you need to turn your life over to God. That voice, that feeling is what's called conviction. 
Conviction is where you feel like I am speaking to you directly. That's conviction. So many times I'll have people who will either, they'll, they'll contact me or email me or whenever we were live, they'd come up to me after the service and they would say, Pastor, I, I felt like you were talking directly to me. I, I felt like nobody else was in the room but me and you were talking directly to me. I've heard people say that many times. And whenever they say that, I realize that is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you have felt that just in our broadcast live, through virtual, uh, through, the, through our live streaming. Maybe you felt that, that I've been speaking directly to you. That's conviction. The Hebrew word in the Old Testament that's used for convict is the word yaka. It means to, to prove or to state something. The Greek word for conviction, elanko, literally means to expose or bring something to light that's been hidden. So conviction in the Bible is the work of the Holy Spirit where a person is able to see themselves as God sees them. God, I see you like you see me. I, I, I see you... I see myself, Lord, as, as guilty. I see myself as, as needing you. I, I need you in my life. That is the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And folks, the very first step in knowing God is to feel His conviction. Step number two. Response. Response, Revelation 3.20 and John 3.15. You see, just feeling conviction is not enough. You have to respond. There have been many people who have felt God's conviction and they did not respond to Him. There were people in the Bible like that. Pilate. Pilate shows every evidence in the trial of Jesus of feeling the conviction of God upon his life, but he did nothing about it. King Agrippa, in the book of Acts, convicted by the Holy Spirit, almost persuaded, but did nothing about it. There are many people out there, they... They have not, they've not responded when God convicted them. So you, you have to respond. There are a lot of people out there with many regrets. God spoke to them. And, and they knew God spoke to them. And they felt, they felt that something on the inside, that God was speaking and moving in their life, but they did not respond to that. And, and they just went on. A lot of regrets. You see, God initiates salvation entirely. But His salvation is not imposed upon us. We must respond. We must receive it. You must open the door of your heart to receive Christ to come in. You have to respond. Look at Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Jesus said, Behold, 
I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Jesus was speaking in the context of, of the local church. But it applies to each one of us as God knocks on the door of our heart. We must open the door. We must respond to Him. Now, you may have a question. Pastor, how do I respond to God if I'm dead? Because the Bible tells us before Christ, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. So, good question. How do I respond to God if I'm dead? Well, Paul told us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5. Paul said, the Holy Spirit quickens us or convicts us and allows us to respond to God once the Holy Spirit draws us. God must open our eyes for us to respond. And whenever He does, we respond to Him in faith. Look at John 3, verse 15. Jesus said, Whosoever believes in Him, talking about Himself, should not perish, but have eternal life. Whosoever that, that God speaks to, whosoever God convicts, and opens the door of their heart, and receives Christ, will not perish, but have eternal life. I responded to God one Sunday morning, February. I was nine years old, one Sunday morning at the First Baptist Church in Boswell, Oklahoma, where I was raised. God had convicted me the Sunday before, but I did not respond. I felt the conviction. I, I knew God was speaking to my heart. I was, I was sitting back there listening to the sermon, weeping as a nine-year-old boy, and the invitation came, and my response to God was not there, and I turned and walked out that day knowing I needed to respond to Him. And the very next Sunday, God once again convicted my heart, and I responded that Sunday morning, and I began a relationship with God that through Jesus Christ that that began that morning, but has continued throughout my life. God convicted, and I responded. And maybe this morning, some of you watching this broadcast, that is exactly what you need to do. You have felt God's conviction. You have heard His voice that still small voice inside, and now you need to take step number two. Respond. Respond to Him. Step three. Salvation. Romans 10, 13. Salvation. The third step in knowing God is to be saved. Now, a, a lot of people out there, they, they, try to, they try to know God without taking step three. They, they try. There are many critics out there, many skeptics out there, 
even many seekers out there, and they want to know God. They desperately want to know if God's up there. Is He real? Does He play a part in, in their life? And, and they want to know that. And so they study and they research, but that's not the way to know God initially. They think that's the avenue to know God, is study and learn more about Him. That that's not the way. You only know about God by submitting all of your life to Him and receiving salvation. And then you can grow in that knowledge of God. I don't know how many times. I, I don't know how often through the years someone will be presented the gospel and I'll say, or someone else will say, do you want to receive Christ? And they'll say, no, I want to learn more first. No, you submit your life first and you learn more later. The third step is to submit your life to God and be saved through Jesus. That's the third step. Nor do you know God simply by, quote, Asking Jesus into your heart, that's not enough. You see, that phrase really is not a biblical phrase. Asking Jesus into your heart. It's more about Jesus having your heart. It's about Jesus having your entire life. Not just your heart. So true salvation comes whenever I lay my entire life before Him and say, God, my life is yours through Christ. Not just asking Jesus into my heart, adding Him to my life and going about my business. That's not salvation. There have been many people who have done that. Said a prayer to ask Jesus into their heart. They've never really truly submitted their life to God. And they just added Jesus. They want to go to heaven. And they just go about their life like they got fire insurance now. Because Jesus is in my heart. That's not biblical salvation. Biblical salvation, folks, is whenever the Holy Spirit convicts you. You respond and you give God your entire life. All of it. And whenever you submit to Him, you're saved. And whenever you do submit your life to God through Jesus, God grants you salvation. And the Bible said, He commits Himself to you. Look at Romans 10.13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever. This morning, if you felt the conviction of God upon your life, whether it's this morning or whether it's previously, respond to Him, call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. Earlier in those verses, verses 9 and 10, same chapter, Paul said, you believe with your heart, but you confess with your mouth. You're saved. And once you're saved, you are saved once for all. Once for all. You don't have to keep being saved over and over again. You'll never lose it again. If you truly receive Christ, 
You will never lose it. You don't have to keep over and over and over coming to God in salvation. You come to Him in prayer and you come to Him in growth. But you're saved once for all. Step number three. Salvation. Step number four to know God. Baptism. Baptism, Romans 6, 4 and Galatians 3, 27. Now the next step in the process of, of knowing God is to be baptized. Baptism does not play a part in your salvation. But it is an important step in the process of of getting to know God better because it is your first act of obedience as a new Christian. It does not play a part in your salvation. You're saved by grace through faith. But baptism is an important step. Baptism is a symbolic act showing you have done step three. You have been saved. Baptism is a symbolic act showing you've been buried with Christ. The old is gone and the new has been raised to walk in that newness of life. Baptism is your public declaration that you are a follower of Jesus. It declares it to everyone. That's why whenever we have a baptism, we have it in our sanctuary, and we're here live, we have it front and center right there so everybody can see it. Whenever we baptize in, in Lake Ray Hubbard or, or somewhere, we'll video it, we'll show it to you on Sunday morning because that baptism is a public declaration of that person's life in Christ. We do not have private baptisms. That's an oxymoron. There are no private baptisms. Baptism is a public declaration. You are a follower of Jesus. Look at Romans 6, 4. We were buried with Christ through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Look what Paul wrote to the Galatians, chapter 3, verse 27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Baptism is to be your very first act of obedience after you're saved. Folks, I'm, I'm amazed at how many people who have trusted Christ as Savior have never followed in baptism. I, I'm amazed. Bunch of them. Maybe they've been saved for, for 10 years or 15 years or 20 years and they've never followed in baptism. That's the first thing you need to do. And maybe this morning we have some of you watching out there. You've received Christ, but you've never followed in believer's baptism. 
That is what you need to do. That is step number four. That is the next step you need to take in order to know God better. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you need to be baptized as a public declaration that you are a follower of Jesus. Step five. Fellowship of believers. Fellowship of believers. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. The next step in knowing God is to become a part of the fellowship of believers. Becoming a part of a local body of baptized believers, a local church. Now, I, I don't know why, but for some reason, there are a lot of people, they do not think step number five in knowing God better is really that important. So many people do not believe joining a church, being active in a church, or fellowshipping with other believers, they do not believe it's that important. So they don't do it. But folks, it is so important that God gave you a command in the Bible about fellowshipping with other Christians in the local body of believers. Read with me Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. The writer said, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What we're told is, after you receive Christ, you follow in baptism, and then you get active in a local church. Saved, baptized, join a church, and serve and grow. And there are many people out there who were saved never baptized, others who are saved and baptized, but they're not a part of a local church. It's not that important to them. But Jesus showed the importance of it in His Word. It is the next step in knowing God better. You need a church. Well, Pastor, that's COVID-19, we're, we're, we're not meeting, some churches are, some churches aren't. You can still be a part of a church during the coronavirus. You can be a part of First Baptist Church. You can be a part of our Zoom Sunday school classes. You can be a part of our virtual worship every single Sunday. You can be a part of, of our ministry as we minister through Friendship House and other ways during these days you can be a part of who we are. So many people have ignored step number five fellowshipping in a church. 
they think that learning about God on the internet's enough. It's not. They think, well, there's no need to actually attend. I, I have all the resources online to know God better. You don't. You need the fellowship of other people. That's not my opinion. That's what God told us. You need that. So many times believers, they'll move to another town away from First Baptist Church and they never join another church. We still have their membership here and they've been gone for five years, ten years. Members here, they never found another church. College students will leave here or high school students and they'll go off to college, never find a church. Their membership's still here. They don't, they're not involved with a church. Or some of our own members, they get active and they get busy and kids start doing activities and they go here and there and the next thing you know, they're not involved in church. And in order to know God you need to be involved in a church. The fellowship of believers is vital. Church attendance across America has been dropping year after year after year. 13 years straight in America. 13 years in a row, lower, 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 lower. Count it off 13 times. Lower, lower, lower. The number of people attending church, Americans do not believe step number five is important. But it is. You need the fellowship of other people. Well, pastor, I, I can't find a good church. Maybe, maybe it's you. Maybe you're too picky. Maybe you're expecting a church to be perfect when you're not perfect. Maybe it's you. Find a local Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church and join it. Be active. Because never forget God has commanded you to be a part of the fellowship of believers. Do not ignore step five. Saved, baptized, active in the church. And then step number six, the last one. Spiritual growth. Spiritual growth, 1 Peter 2, 2. So the final step we're going to look at this morning in the process of knowing God, which a lot of Christians have ignored also or devalued, is the step of spiritual growth. Becoming more Christ-like. Growing in your faith. Maturing in your faith. Growing as a Christian. 
Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. As a new Christian, desire that milk of the Word as a new baby. But then as the baby begins to grow, all of a sudden you want something other than milk. You want the meat. And as a believer, you get to know God through the meat. But many of you have been Christians for years, and you're still on milk. That's what Paul told the Corinthians. Paul was writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and he wrote to them and he said, I, I would like to address you as spiritual, but I can't. You're still babes. You're still babes, and you're still on milk, and you need to be on meat by now. I, I want to address you as, as meat eaters, but I can't because you're milk drinkers. Because you have not grown to the point you should have grown by now. And Paul said, Corinthians, get off the milk. Start growing, start changing, start being more Christ-like. Look at the picture on the, on the screen there. This is a picture of my son. On the left, you'll see a picture of, of me holding Camden. That's in the delivery room at the hospital, the wee morning hours of July the 4th, 2003. In that picture, he's just a few minutes old. Picture on the right is 17 years later, he is 17 years old, and he's going to the prom. That was just a few weeks ago. So as you look at both of those pictures, you'll notice a big difference. He's changed. In 17 years, he, he's changed a lot. His body's a little longer. Okay, it's a lot longer. His arms are longer. His legs are longer. Uh, he, he's smiling. He has a smile there. He didn't smile much that first night. He cried a lot that first night. But he's, he's smiling now. He has hair. Look at the wavy hair on the right there. He, he had no hair in the left picture because we had to put a cap on to keep him from getting cold. He's got hair now. He's changed a lot. In the picture on the left, he started drinking milk and, oh, he loved it. I mean, he drank a lot of milk as a baby. But now the picture on the right, that boy likes steak. You put a ribeye in front of him, oh my goodness, it's gone. He loves meat. Lots changed in 17 years. So let me ask you a question. Why are you still the same 17 years later, spiritually? Why, why have you not changed spiritually in 17 years or even more? Why are you still the same? Why, why don't you look any different spiritually than, than you did? 
Why do you have the same foul mouth? And why do you have the same unforgiving spirit? And why do you have the same lustful heart? And why do you go to the same places and drink the same alcohol? And why do you watch the same vile movies? And, and why do you laugh at the same off-colored jokes? Why are you the same? Why haven't you changed in 20 years or 25 years? Grow spiritually in order to know God more. Folks, start, start learning your Bible. Start becoming obedient to what God shows you. Start spending more time in prayer. Delete things out of your life that need to go and add things to your life that need to be there. Become more Christ-like. Learn to tithe money of your income. Learn to share your faith. Use your spiritual gifts to serve others. Because the old is gone. And the new has come. Grow in Christ. Step number six, to know Him better. Samuel Clemens has been called the father of American literature. You'll see his picture on the screen. Samuel Clemens has been called the father of American literature or the Greatest humorist of the, the U.S. has ever produced. In fact, he's better known by his pen name of Mark Twain. Mark Twain, for all of his endearing charm, never became a Christian. In fact, Mark Twain mocked Christians. He made fun of us. He, he poked fun at believers in Christ. He, he laughed at us and he, he scoffed at us and he never became a follower of Christ. One time back in 1878, Mark Twain and all of his family traveled to Europe. One by one, all the countries that they visited... Twain was honored in one country after another. Switzerland and Germany and Italy and England and on and on. Country after country. Universities would honor him and kings would honor him and institutions would honor him. They all welcomed the Twain family and honored Mark Twain. And after this had gone on for many nights in several countries... Twain's little girl Susie, one night after it was all over with, she was about seven or eight years old. After all the festivities were over with, and it had happened night after night, she looked up at her dad and she said, Wow, Daddy, I, I believe you know just about everybody except God. Boy, she was right. The most important relationship 
Twain could have ever had, he missed. He knew just about everybody except God. And I hope that's not you. Folks, I, I hope that's not you. I hope that you know God better and better and you take all six of these steps to get to know God in a close, intimate way. Because the greatest aim of life is to know God. And if you do, all the other things tend to fall into place. So, where are you among the steps? Feeling conviction, but need to respond? Needing to respond in salvation? Is that you? Or have you been saved but need to be baptized? Or have you been baptized but need to become a part of a church? Or do you need to make efforts to grow spiritually and let God change you from who you are to who you need to be? What step do you need to take? Whatever it is, contact me this week, email me this week, fbcgarland.org, email me personally. I would be delighted to help you with whatever step you need to take to know God better. Let's pray together. Father, thank you today for giving us your word and thank you, Lord, for teaching us what we need to do to know you in a greater way. And I want to pray for everyone listening, Father, wherever they are, Dallas-Fort Worth area, across Texas, somewhere across the U.S., Hawaii, Alaska, somewhere else around the world. Father, wherever they are, I pray that you would come into that living room, that bedroom, that den, kitchen, wherever they're watching. And Lord, you would bring the conviction of the Holy Spirit and let them take the steps necessary to know you in a greater and a more intimate way. Father, give us the courage to make those decisions today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.